Section 7 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 18, March 2, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 18, March 2, 1880. An Honest Miner If you go into a mining district in Cornwall, England, you will see, not far from the mine works, rows of neat little cottages. Most of them are extremely clean in the interior, and here the miners may be found seated at comfortable fires, frequently reading, or, in the summer evenings, working in their little gardens or in the potato fields. Frequently they become experienced floriculturists, and at the flower shows that occur annually in several of the Cornish towns, they often carry off the prizes. A pleasing anecdote is recorded of the honesty of a poor Cornish miner. There lived at St. Ives a lady named Prudence Worth, whose charity was remarkable. A miner living at Camborne had her goods seized for rent, which he could not pay. He had heard of the many good deeds done by Madame Worth, as she was usually called, and he determined to apply to her for assistance. He said, Madame, I am come to you in great trouble. My goods are seized for rent, and they will be sold if I cannot get the money immediately. Where do you live? inquired Mrs. Worth. In Canborne, and I work in Stray Park Mine. I know nothing of you, observed the lady, and you may be a drunkard or an impostor. Madame, replied the miner with energy, as I live, I am neither, and if you will lend me the money, I will return it in four months. The money was lent, the period of four months elapsed, and, true to his promise, the poor miner, notwithstanding that bad luck had attended him, had managed to get the amount borrowed together, and set off on foot with it. Arriving at Hale River, he found the tide coming up, but to save a journey of three miles round by St. Erith Bridge, he resolved to cross the water, which appeared to him shallow enough for this purpose. The poor fellow had, however, miscalculated the depth and was drowned. When the body was brought to shore, his wife said that he had left home with three guineas in his pocket for Madame Worth. Search was made in his pockets, and no money was found. But someone observed that his right hand was firmly clinched. It was opened and found to contain the three guineas. Baby by K. M. M. What are you looking at, baby dear? with your wide-open serious eyes. 
that were made from the depths of heaven's own blue stolen away from the skies what do you think of this great wide world that you gaze on with such surprise i should like to know if you only could tell you look so grave and so wise the professor himself who has studied for years has not half so sage an air as the baby of ours when he sits all alone in the lap of the great armchair and what are you talking of all by yourself in those words which none of us know we forget so soon the language of heaven in this work-a-day world below but teach us those accents strange and sweet that you've learned from the angels above for we must become like this little child ere we enter god's kingdom of love knitted scarf little girls who like to knit will be glad to know how to make this pretty scarf it is knitted with two threads one of white and the other of chinchilla zephyr worsted and wooden needles crosswise in rounds going back and forth strands of worsted or knotted in the ends for fringe begin the scarf with a thread of white and a thread of chinchilla worsted cast on twenty-seven stitches and knit as follows first round slip the first stitch of every round and carry the working thread to the wrong side slipping it through beneath both needles the last stitch is always knit off plain with both threads catching them together this will not be referred to further lay the chinchilla worsted on the needle from the front to the wrong side knit the next stitch plain with the white thread star carry the chinchilla thread underneath the needle and over the white thread to the front lay the white thread on the needle from the front to the wrong side purl the next stitch with the chinchilla worsted lay the latter on the needle from the front to the wrong side carry the white thread underneath the chinchilla thread to the next stitch and knit the plain and repeat from star second round lay the chinchilla thread on the needle from the front to the wrong side purl the next stitch which appears purled on this side together with the thread thrown over with the white thread star lay the white thread on the needle from the front to the wrong side carry the chinchilla thread underneath the white thread to the next stitch and knit this plain together with the thread thrown over carry the white thread from the wrong side to the front underneath the needle and over the chinchilla thread lay the latter on the needle from the front to the wrong side purl the next stitch together with the thread thrown over with white worsted and repeat from star third and fourth rounds like the first and second rounds but in the third round always purl the stitch 
which appear pearled on the working side and knit plain those which look as if knit plain repeat always the first two fourth rounds transposing the design see figure two finally cast off the stitch loosely with both threads bishop haddo their story goes that there once lived in germany in a handsome spacious palace a selfish fat old bishop his table was always spread with the choicest dainties and he drank in abundance wine of the very best he slept long and soundly and looked so comfortable and happy and fat that the people whispered to each other how grand it must be to be a bishop one summer in the neighborhood where bishop lived the rain came down in such torrents and continued so long that the grain was utterly ruined and when autumn arrived there was none to be gathered what shall we do said the poor fathers and mothers when the long winter comes and we have no food to give our children winter arrived bringing the cold winds and the snow and the frost the little ones begged for bread and the poor mothers were compelled to say the bread was all gone let us go to the bishop at last said the poor pining creatures surely he will help us he has far more food than he needs and it is useless our starving here when he has plenty very soon from his palace window the bishop saw numbers of the poor people flocking to his gates and he thought to himself so they want my corn but they shall not have it and the sooner they find out their mistake the better so he sent them all away the next day others came still the bishop refused but still the people persevered in calling out for food at his gates at last wearied with their cries but still unmoved by their pitiable condition the bishop announced that on a certain day his large barn should be open for anyone to enter who chose and that when the place was full as much food should be given them as would last all the winter at last the day came and for a time forgetting their hunger the women and children as well as the men both old and young crowded up to the barn door the bishop watched them with a smile on his deceitful old face until the place was quite full then he fastened the door securely and actually set fire to the barn and burned it to the ground as he listened to the cries of agony he said to himself how much better it will be for the country when all these rats as he called the poor sufferers are killed because while they were living they only consumed the corn having done this he went to his palace and sat down to his dainty supper chuckling to himself to think how cleverly he had disposed of the rats the next morning however his face wore a different expression 
when his eye fell upon the spot where the night before had hung a likeness of himself there was the frame but the picture had gone it had been eaten by the rats at this the wicked bishop was frightened he thought of the poor dying people he had spoken of as rats the day before and he turned cold and trembled as he stood shivering a man from the farm ran up in terror exclaiming that the rats had eaten all the corn that had been stored in the granaries scarcely had the man finished speaking when another messenger arrived pale with fear and bringing tidings more terrible still he said ten thousand rats were coming fast to the palace and told the bishop to fly for his life adding a prayer that his master might be forgiven for the crime he had committed the day before the rats shall not find me said bishop haddo for that was his name i will go shut myself up in my strong tower on the rhine no rats can reach me there the walls are high and the stream around is so strong that rats would soon be washed away if they attempted to cross the water so off he started crossed the rhine and shut himself up in the tower he fastened every window securely locked and barred the doors and gave strict injunctions that no one should be allowed to leave the tower or to enter it hoping that all danger was over he lay down closed his eyes and tried to sleep but it was all in vain he still shook with fear then all at once a shrill scream startled him on opening his eyes he saw the cat on his pillow she too was terrified and her eyes glared for she knew the rats were close upon them up jumped the bishop and from his barred window he saw the black cloud of rats swiftly approaching they had crossed the deep current and were marching in such a direct line toward his hiding place that they might have been taken for a well-marshaled army not by dozens or scores but by thousands and thousands the creatures were seen never before had there been such a sight down on his knees the bishop fell and faster and faster his beads did he tell as louder and louder drawing near the gnawing of their teeth he could hear and in at the windows and in at the door and through the walls helter-skelter they pour and down from the ceiling and up through the floor from the right and the left from behind and before from within and without from above and below and all at once to the bishop they go they have wetted their teeth against the stones and now they pick the bishop's bones they gnawed the flesh from every limb for they were sent to do judgment on him such was the terrible fate of bishop haddo and whether it be perfectly true or not 
it is a striking illustration of the folly as the cruelty of selfishness end of section seven recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c